0: Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to In the Finest Hour, a 40k competitive podcast for teaching you tricks and strategies you can use in about an hour. I am, as always, your host, Sean Morgan, sometimes known as Abuse Puppy, and I have with me in the standard fashion, Shaylin Allen, our good podcast host. Greetings. And quickly becoming a regular favorite on the podcast, our other host, Ben Jurek.
1: Greetings. Two greetings. Nice. Two
0: greetings. That's that's better. Two is usually better than one unless unless you're like shaking hands and then licking your hand at this point.
1: <laughs> don't do that. No. Nope. The CDC tells you explicitly not to do that.
0: Yeah, they've been pretty clear on the method on the matter.
1: Yeah,
2: no no Nurgle worshippers here, please.
0: Yes. Uh forty K is fictional. Even if you do play Nurgle, please please don't help. He doesn't need any help. <laughs> Grandpa Nurgle is fine on his own. Yeah. So how are you two dealing with this whole uh, situation that we've gotten ourselves into? Because it's, it's kind of gotten, it's affecting our community in a lot of different ways.
1: My mother made me vow to not go to tournaments. And she got one, because mm. it's my mom. Yeah. And then she made me not come over to her house, because she's in the age group that's starting to get into the iffy range. So I'm like doubly mad about it.
0: That seems a little bit redundant, uh because if you're not visiting her, then tournaments. Anyways, <laughs> how about you, Ben? I know you're you've been affected quite a bit at work as well as in the hobby section.
2: Well, I mean, I have the benefit of being able to sit down and put everything together now that my weekend plans are are gone. So I sat down and put together twenty paladins this weekend. Uh huh. But I've had to cancel all of my uh, all my plans for the for the basically the next you know four or five six weeks. Um, I've already I'm already out of two GTS. I'm already out an RTT that I was going to go to. So that's yeah. That's three tournaments down. I'm still playing my league games. I'm having people come over. They're going through the they're going through the disinfectant process. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then we we play our games and I bid them adieu. Right. But. Yeah, definitely. We're seeing, you know, a drastic reduction in basically every single major tournament. You're not going to, like, with Adepticon getting canceled, everything around us getting canceled, it's hitting the entire community really hard. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean we'll get models painted and put together? I mean... (laughs) We tell ourselves it
0: will. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I as I'm like we greet that with a laugh but right. um I, like I said I did I I am putting together uh, a Grey Knights army right now um that I intend on mm-hmm. playing a little bit uh and um said I got my 20 paladins put together so um, yep. I, that was something I had other plans this weekend and now those went and so I built 40k models yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's also adversely affecting me at work. I'm only working 35 hours, but my boss yeah. is thankfully paying me for all 40, so right. I cannot interact with other humans.
0: Yeah, and that's a thing that's going to come up more and more, but kind of lies a little bit outside the scope of our podcast. Is like commentary on the coronavirus as a whole. Is like, oh, I think we could spend at least an hour on that. <sighs> the for email
1: the- about BAO was interesting.
0: Yeah. It's It's not canceled yet. Because it's far enough out that we don't know where things are going to be at that point. And I think that's what most tournaments seem to be taking, is a relatively cautious approach to this whole thing. Warning players in advance, things might happen, we don't know where it's going, just be prepared for further announcements. Um and honestly, that's not a bad approach to take to the whole thing in general. Is just sort of be ready, be prepared. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't need to panic. Um, we're we're not we're not in the apocalypse yet, but just sort of keep on your toes a little bit, keep your head on a spin, and be ready to deal with things as they happen. Um, and if that means burning through some of your stock of gray plastic that you've been hoarding in your room for. God knows how many years, then maybe that part at least is not a bad thing.
1: I'm building a Twitch room, so hey. Right? That's a good use of not going to an RTT time, is getting the you Twitch know? room operational.
0: And honestly, that's sort of like one-to-one contact where, like Ben said, is like you invite someone over, you both wash your hands, you don't do too much licking of each other's faces, no more than a normal amount. <laughs> um, and, and you, you play a game like that and you're not really putting yourself or anyone else in danger. Uh, it's, you still want to socialize some. You don't want to cut yourself off from the world entirely unless you have good reason to think something is going on. Uh, so it's not like we have to stop our hobby. You just change a little bit how you're participating in it. Uh,
1: a kind of cool thing that came out of this is I joined a woman's wargaming discord There's 122 people, and they're like, "We want to run an all ladies tournament of 40k, but we're all over the planet, so let's run it on
2: tabletop simulator." Okay, yeah, we're we're gonna do it. That's a good way to social distance. I I can get behind that.
0: Yeah, yeah, because there are lots of online resources. Not to uh, you know, toot our own horn here, but there are lots of resources online, whether they be Discords, Facebook groups, blogs channels on youtube what have you that you can still get your wargaming fix through
1: and i'm excited to play in an all-women's 40k tournament because that's never existed
0: prior to this right say uh a-, a bit of a change from the normal routine you might say
1: oh yes it'll be fun to talk about boys <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can talk about boys at a regular 40k tournament
2: not the same way
0: oh that's your choice
2: <laughs> oh tell us your secrets <laughs> With, uh, with things getting postponed, I'm actually, for one of the tournaments, I'm actually okay with it, because Saga of the Beast will be out now, um, and I can finally, and I can take the tournament with the new book, mm-hmm. uh, versus the same old, same old that we've been that I've been looking at. So, I mean, there's a little bit of a silver lining. I, I do have some silver lining there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, speaking of same old, same old, let's talk a little bit about breaking out of your mold here, as we, we discussed talking, playing other armies, uh, because... Mm-hmm. This is something we've certainly mentioned in the past, and I think gets bandied around once in a while, uh, but there's a lot of benefits to essentially taking a break from your main army and stepping out to play something else once in a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, before we get too deep into that, let's let's go ahead and just like preface this with the, uh, the reasons why you wouldn't. Um, if you are new to your main army, keep working on that for a little while, because... You you really do want to get good with at least one army before you start branching out too wide.
1: Being familiar with it, just knowing your rules, not having to look things up, yes, having muscle memory and mental habits that are stable, those are all good things to have. And they you can also learn how to play the mission while you play your new army. So yeah,
2: the word I'm looking for here is nuance,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: every army every model every little individual rule that is special to you Mm -hmm. is a nuanced thing and it those take a long time to learn and then especially across your entire like army library of things that are relatively meta viable um you have to understand all of them so like if you are a keyword chaos player good luck (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah those lists vary so much and how you play them and, you know, what what type of list you're playing and what model does what and what the nuances are. Like, mm-hmm. the, and especially with how quick the meta can shift, like, mm-hmm. you may never need to shift if you're playing one of the super factions like Chaos or Imperium just because there's so much nuance between the, ty- the type of list and everything else you see.
0: Yeah. yeah. if Basically, if you're at the stage where you're still having to look stuff up, from your book, rather than just sort of, like, knowing it all, you're probably not quite ready to move on to a new army. That's not to say you can't, but you probably don't need to.
1: Well, I had to stop learning new armies to start relearning Grey Knights because
0: they changed a lot. Yeah, if your main faction changes drastically because of a supplement book or something, by all means, go back to your new army, because go back to your old army, because your old army is now a new army, basically. <laughs> yep, has um, to be treated as such. there's also a lot of advantages in list building if you've been sticking with a single army, you know, you've figured out something that works and you can just sort of like take that basic formula and iterate off it or take one of a couple like skeletons of a list that you know. Uh, I know Ben is like, if you're, if you're doing orcs, then like, you know, like, okay, my minimum body count is going to be something like this, or I'm going to need this for anti-tank or whatnot.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Another reason to stick to one, of course, is your ITC score yes if you're scoring all over the place you're never going to get a best in faction score and you know it's true for, for me it matters uh because i'm a filthy xenos player um and i choose to stick to one xenos faction for the most part but for for a small period of time there i definitely have branched out a little bit i dabbled and i um got into the top 10 of another faction uh I decided to try that out but uh-huh. um if you're you know jumping all over the place you're not gonna get a representative score. Um, of what you're, what, if you're trying to go for a best-in-faction situation there.
0: Yeah. yeah, keep your goals in mind when you're doing this, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, with all that said, and now that we've told you all the reasons that you, you maybe shouldn't do it, I think that branching out and learning new armies is one of the most important things you can do to grow as a player.
1: Uh, in fact, having just spent the last year as my hobby resolution to do it, it has helped tremendously.
0: Yes. Uh... And there's a lot of ways that may not be obvious to you that this is going to help out. Um, I think, for me at least, uh, the, the one that makes the biggest difference is just breaking you out of your habits. Uh, because we all, we all kind of get into that those habits of like, well, this is the best thing in my faction, so this is the army I play, and this is the way I play it, and these are the units I take. And breaking yourself out of that and forcing yourself to innovate can have a huge effect on your play skills.
1: Well, one of the things I discovered, because one of the first factions I played was Tau, which is all about target priority careful selection of placement and things because they have very nuanced movement phase Mm -hmm. um, has helped me understand that uh, in late game, when I'm running low on models, all of those things that Tau do, Grey Knights need to do even better.
2: Yep. Yeah. One thing that I found is that there are some lists that I play that literally like my first three turns with the exception of like one or two choices, it's the same old, routine it's the same thing i move this here i do this here i advance here mm-hmm. i cast this spell here i shoot in this order and then you know and then view results yeah you get it drilled down you have your you know your automated scripted plan at the point where you could just you know you could you could train somebody else to do it and just say like, hey, hey take this here this do this and i'm going to go over here and uh, get myself a soda or something
0: And that's good in the sense that you've sort of, you've maximized your efficiency, you've found what works, you really understand the army at that point, obviously, Mm -hmm. but at that point you're not learning anything new, and you always want to be improving as a player. That's kind of the point. So forcing yourself to deal with things in new ways is, I think, a huge benefit of this. It breaks you out of that habit. It can also force, like, a totally different play style, which I think is a pretty big thing. If you're not used to assaulting, then you know learning to do that is kind of a new thing.
1: Well, one of the things just how having a strong knowledge of the assault phase helps mm-hmm. them in a great deal in Overwatch priority. Yep, it helps them in screening priority and things like that. Nuanced movement, and I had that from Grey Knights walking in, which helped my Tao play.
0: Yeah uh and those sort of cross applicable skills are why you really want to be learning new armies because if you if you're not familiar with that obviously then you're not going to be able to manage it from the other side of the table as well
2: mm-hmm. um, you also learn valuable new skills across the board, um, not just with like playstyle in different phases, but you learn like if you have an army that you know would highly benefit from chucking you know a guardsman squad in front of in front of a Lord Discordant to make it not get into your tanks. Yes, like move blocking is a technique that you only like is only applicable to certain armies. Mm-hmm. Wrapping and trapping, um, while usable as all armies, which we'll get into later, like it's really really valuable and essential uh, for other armies.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you you learn skills that you probably have never actually, you know, used on the offensive side before.
0: Yeah, I think Tau is actually a very good example of that, or Guard, um, where normally you're not interacting with the combat phase that much. You are getting killed during the combat phase, but you're not doing anything. But I have surprised a lot of people as a Tau player by going in for assaults with battle suits, by trapping units with Crute or Shield drones. Because they're simply, they're not expecting Tau to make any use of the assault phase at all. Because most Tau players won't. Um, But every army can play in just about every phase of the game, uh, with some small exceptions. Um, So just because your army isn't the best in that phase doesn't mean you can't do anything with it.
1: Every phase is an opportunity for something. Yeah. Do you seize it or not? And studying other armies will give you a better sense of those opportunities and whether or not you need to take them.
0: Yes, and that's especially true if your army's main plan has failed. Um, If you're a gun line and you suddenly find that, you know, you're getting outshot by the enemy, you obviously need to change what you're doing. And if you've played other armies that interact in different ways, you may be able to come with a plan that doesn't rely on the shooting phase um, that can still help you win the game.
1: I as a Tau player, one time I charged Riptide into a couple tanks and just turned them off for a turn.
2: Yep, yep. And then you then you also get to see specific things that are not available to any army at all that are completely game breaking, such as Agents of Vect or oh yeah, or the uh, the GSC one. Like you know, being able to counter a stratagem that flips your world upside down. and you can completely you know. Uh, plan around having that, and you're like, oh, crap, you know, where where should I do it? And then you can understand how to bait people's vects out and such, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think
0: that is very huge, is once you understand sort of the decision points that the guy on the other side of the table was making, where he's he's sitting there with his agents of vect and thinking, I can only use this on one strategy in on this turn, uh, or what this phase which one is it gonna be and which one is important enough to actually spend those four command points. Once you've been in that situation, you're gonna be so much better prepared to either play around a Vact where you know it's like, okay, he's gonna shut down this stratagem, which means I'm gonna have to change the way I do things, or to bait it out, as Ben said, and set yourself up for like, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna do this, he's gonna vect it, and then I'll do my important thing.
2: Yes. You take away all your gotchas, once you uh, at least for the other army that you're playing. Mhm.
0: Yeah, seeing things from the other side of the table is a really huge game changer.
1: Well, also if you pick up that unbeatable list that has been trashing you for a while mm-hmm. and you play around with it, you discover it's quite beatable.
0: Absolutely. Um sort of learning the the struggles and the failure points of those armies is a really, really big thing to have on your side, as Shaylin says. Like that, an army that seems unbeatable on one side of the table, you may sit down with that army and look at it, and then realize very quickly, like, oh no! If I lose my screens, my game is over.
2: Yeah, there's also specific models that this comes up with, not just armies and playstyle. Like, very true. The highlight that I want to throw out here is like playing with the Incarn. You don't really understand, like, the Incarn until you actually play with it. Yes. And then, like, I feel way better playing against it. Now that I've played with it a bit, i be like, oh, okay that's how stupid that thing can get. And then you can also understand when someone makes a misplay with it, mm-hmm. uh, you can also try and force, and when you're playing against it, you're not going to make the stupid moves that suddenly make the Incarn really stupid against your army. Um, so you're much likely to make less mistakes against it. And that just comes up with just specific models in general. And I like to call it the Incarn as as a very good example there because it's, it's a crazy model. It has crazy rules. It does its own thing. Um, but boy, is it a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: Yes, and I think there are a fair number of models like that in the game that are so powerful and influential by themselves that they sort of, like, shape the whole way you need to play a game.
1: Well, and, and also kind of on that note, there are, there's the kind of concept of armies. Like, I was teaching someone to play, and I'm like, okay, well, play this army to study this phase a little better, because Tau are all about shooting phase and target priority. Sure. So that'll give you drills in certain areas. So it's like, oh man, my assault phase is bad. Well, why don't you just play some Bloodthirsters or something? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, if, if you find you're struggling with a phase or that you struggle with armies of a particular phase, then certainly there's going to be something out there that can teach you about that. Uh, we'll probably talk about that a little more in the second half because mm-hmm. choosing which army you play and practice with is obviously going to have a huge effect on what you learn from it. Who
1: knew?
2: And, like, no matter, no matter what you're looking at, even if your army um, doesn't exactly play well in a particular phase, one of the things I like to do with newer players or more inexperienced players or, like, uh, players that are currently, like, in other pods in my league Mm-hmm. If I'm doing uh, you know a practice match against them or such, I'll have them come to my side of the table and show them exactly what I'm doing. Um, you know, hey, I'm gonna move this orc boy over here. We're gonna we're going to use the charge movement to move over here. But keep in mind, charge movement is any dire- is any direction. So I just need to make contact here, and I start showing them all like the nuances of the phase uh, of stuff that their army would never get to do. And even even if they understand the, the charge phase, or even if they understand the assault phase, it's like okay, here's what the assault phase looks like when you have thirty models. Right. Um, here's all the Wacky zany stuff you can do with it, which is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can you can do you like the the amount the amount of uh, work you could do there is an episode in itself. Yes, but you like I, I bring them my side of the table and I instruct them of like, hey, here's why I'm doing it, and the and I sometimes ask them like, what would you do, mm-hmm. and see if they kind of like see if it kind of clicks for them, um, and give them an opportunity to see something from another army's point of view. Yeah. And be like, hey, if you had done this, and sometimes I'll even give them the take back seat, like like I'll sure. you know, if they're if they left like an easy like trap and wrap open, I'd be like, Hey, um like I'm gonna do this because you did this. And if you had done this, this makes this much more difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh you want you want to see what that looks like and they go sure and and then i put the model you know where it would be more more difficult or stop me and then i put the model back and then i let them take the the better version of that because we're we're playing in a situation where i'd I'd actually prefer they get an advantage or win um versus me just stomping them um so you know i show them why certain things work and i try to do it from my my table view not his table view so they and ask them and walk them through it and ask them what they would do so they would see it from my army's point of view
0: and I think that's one of the most valuable things you can have when you are learning a new army, is someone who plays that army. Uh, don't try go, going into it blind. Um, there's probably someone in your local playgroup who has a lot of experience with that army, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're in a, a decent-sized area. Um, so find your local orc player and just sort of like ask him. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm trying out orcs. What do you think of this list? Uh, or can I play a practice game against you? And you know, you 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 can tell me what I'm doing wrong, or whatever this is. Um, you've got some great resources in your local players, as well as some of the people you probably know online. So tap into those resources and get them to help you learn the army, because you don't you don't need to do this by yourself. There's no reason to punish yourself that hard.
1: Also, you'll you'll learn faster with a mentor.
2: Absolutely. Yep podcasts write-ups there's tons of online resources yes i always like if i really want to delve into how an army is played i'll actually go into someone's tournament report read all five rounds read exactly how they played it um get a general idea and then start you know start mental hammering it uh, where i actually mentally play out a game in my head of like okay here's what it would look like if i played this army uh here's what my first couple turns look like okay cool um and i you know i i I actually go through what gets me hype before I even buy new models for an army. Is I sit there and I, I, go, I think about what it would be like to play that army, and I'm like, oh, what if I did it against this army? Oh, what if I played this against this? and I just start and I get really excited about it, and you know, and now I'm building Grey Knights, yeah, because because <laughs> <laughs> they're really freaking cool, uh, and they have so much interaction, and I love it.
0: Yeah, and and that excitement and that like eagerness to innovate is what you're looking for when you start a new army, because again, it's it's reinvigorating. Your enthusiasm for the game, but also like letting you innovate and do new things, which is what you really want to be doing. You can't ever just be doing the same thing over and over again because you're not going to win that way.
1: No, um, and doing new things, as I said, it's like even if it's just like a little back pocket thing, where it's like, hey, charging with Tau, like you know, topping a tank that doesn't have fly, mm-hmm. it doesn't shoot the next turn. Hm, that's useful to everyone.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and take a little bit of a musical break here we can enjoy some dank tunes, and then we'll come back in in the second half of the episode.
2: Looking for your next major, do you want another chance to play 40k in Sin City this year? Come to Wasteland Games Weekend, featuring a Gentleman's Major, a premier event hosted by War Room Games in Las Vegas, Nevada, June 13th and 14th. We have a new, bigger, and even better venue at the South Point Casino, and don't forget our award for Most Dabber. Get your tickets at warroomgameswrg.com. They are going fast. You'll also get to meet the person behind the voice of this co-host. See you then. Now, while Sean says the number one advantage for him is breaking out of old habits, I sparsely disagree, and I view it from a completely different standpoint. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it from a more competitive meta standpoint, and that's for me is completely understanding another list. Oh yeah, completely understanding the what were what exactly the current 40k meta is and how I'm going to play against it. Um, I come from a magic the gathering background where I built and proxied all the decks in the meta and I played them and I play tested them against my deck. I played test them against my other friends. I played them with my team. Um, and we did a, we, you know, we put a lot of effort into completely understanding the meta inside and out from both sides of the table. Um, so for me, um playing other armies is, is, uh, definitely more of a meta and army understanding situation than it is just understanding the phases. I think I got it mostly. I think I got most of my uh, my basics down. Um, I'm always learning. I'm never. I'm definitely not going to be a master there. But as far as where what I want to do when I play another army is I want, I want to play something else that's, you know, either changing or striking or a major part of the current 40k meta. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of different armies out there these days, many of which have some very complex shenanigans going on. Mm-hmm. And knowing what they do in detail as opposed to sort of in general can be a huge advantage if you ever get into that matchup. Um, Or even in a matchup similar to that.
1: Well, also, here's another critical thing that I learned is I actually learned the difference between the names of the guns that Tao used. So now I can look at an army list and understand which one this one is.
0: Yes, I I think that is one of the, the biggest points here is... If you are familiar enough to build an army, you can then look at someone else's version of that army and say, oh, they've changed it in this way, or "Uh uh-oh, they're missing this very important thing, uh, or what have you. You can just pick up that army list and scan through it and understand it in a minute or two, rather than having to pore over it and try and consult with your friends and whatnot.
2: Yes. And in the world of timed games where you only have three hours and, you know, going over lists and such as part of that time, looking at someone's list and looking back up going, yeah, you're just playing, you know so-and-so's list from this gt two weeks ago cool and you just you like you just you know you just dismiss it because you already know what exactly you're, you're going against yes um aside from aside from like you know relics and traits and powers that they might take unless they got it listed like you don't need to sit there and be like oh what do weapons this have What what's the stats in this you, you're, you save yourself a ton of time that could end up being very valuable in your chess clock
0: regarding those kind of like powers and traits and stuff um, if you know what their options are, that's probably going to affect your own choices in the game. Is like, okay, I know he has a warlord trait that gives him minus one to damage, so that means either I need to take the plus one damage trait on my guy, or I need to plan around that, which means I'm going to need efficient shooting elsewhere, hmm. or whatever it may be. Uh, but knowing what options they have available, not just what they've picked for their list but the sort of things they can do especially for stratagems is absolutely huge during a game
2: yes oh i can't i can't go over it enough i could probably talk for another hour on just not getting gotcha and explaining every single gotcha in the current meta like just being able to never run into a situation where um you're already too far ahead to do something or uh, or or not even knowing that an- another army has that ability yep. um you know with the like the new alpha legion conceal oh yeah if you don't know they have that uh-huh. and you never ask that question and you play your entire movement phase out okay go okay cool uh psychic phase shooting phase and they go conceal yes you just you just lost the game right there like that <laughs> and that, i mean like that, that harkens to understanding the meta but it's also you need to know that army you need to know that that's a thing Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so many of those uh, between like the Blood Angel six inch intervene that just came out. You, you got to keep up. Yeah, um, you know there's there's too much there's too much out there that you can just instantly lose a game on due to one strategy. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: and you know yes, your opponent should warn you when they have things, and there's good sportsmanship and all of that, but. You can't expect everyone to tell you every possible thing they could do. It, it's simply not fair to expect them It's like, all right, tell me all about your army. It's like, we, we'd be here the rest of the day if I do that.
1: Seriously. The other thing to know is that, uh, is that I can't read your mind. I don't know what you don't know. Yes. And I can try to be courteous about it, but if you don't ask me that Caldor Drago is a named character and what he does in close combat, you might lose your call
2: that turn.
0: Right, because you're just like, oh, I didn't think he was that good. It's like, well, I didn't know that you didn't know that, so I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, on the flip side, don't don't summarize. Um, I recently gotcha'd myself oh, yeah. uh, when I thought something worked one way, and it worked not that way. Mm-hmm. So like try to get a full understanding, don't just skim. I made a mistake. I definitely lost a very important game because of said mistake. Yeah. Um and just to go into detail, it was the uh, the Alpha Legion pushback. Oh. So if you deep strike in on an al- uh anywhere near Alpha Legion, they can push you back 12. Yeah. Um I had read it basically like the my brain summary of it was, "Oh, turn one unit into infiltrators." Mm-hmm. Cool. Um and then I I saw it as that. So I deep struck near two units. And the what Strajan reads is it's all Alpha Legion to that unit, yeah, so now I'm pushed back by both, and I'm like, "Oh, oh, oh no." And like the way that Stratum reads is it's after you commit, so there's like there's no take back there, right like you're just <laughs> you're just stuck, and you're just like I'm just like, oh, well, that sucks. It is that kind of like fine detail
0: that can win or lose a lot of games, and it's why a lot of the really high level players spend a lot of time reading other people's books and armies and practicing with them and understanding exactly what they can do. I have many, many times gotcha people with their own army. You know, I'll like I'll move a unit up and they'll be like, I'm gonna do this thing. I'm like, you actually can't. Um, you know, you you need to have a character within three inches of the unit to do that. And they're like, No, it's six inches. It's like, it is three inches. Check your codex.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, preventing cheating in its own, just even whether incidental or you know purposeful, like sure. you know, knowing someone else's army means they can't pull the pull, a, you know, the wool over your eyes.
0: Yes, uh, also very valuable. Like you, you have a a duty to sort of like advocate for yourself, uh, mm-hmm. as Jeff used to say, and you knowing what they are capable of and what they have in their pocket is a huge tool for doing that.
1: Yes. Um, uh, my, my personal favorite is Grey Knights don't smite demons for three mortal wounds. They've had that since Index, dudes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, like, being able to know what, you, what other people can do and what they can do is going to help you a ton in those games against them, even if you never pick up that army and take it to a tournament again. Even if all you do is play some practice games, you have learned a lot right there.
2: Yeah, for LVO 2019... Um I put in an intense amount of practice uh for that event. And I walked into that event, I was never uncomfortable in the game. This is when the you know, Castellan and Guard Brigade list was the, you know, the, the big meta shaker. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I had to play that list twice and I absolutely stomped it. Um and like and the guys that picked up this list obviously didn't have as much practice at it or had just picked it up as a net list and they didn't really know the ins and outs of it that well. Um, so like I'm playing these guys and I'm looking at them play it and I'm like, uh, okay, that, that wasn't optimal, but all right. Um, I'm going to continue and like, and they're, and I'm playing, you know, weird ass orc list and they're like, they were, they were, I essentially, not only do I have home field advantage of the knowledge of my own army, um, I also know their army better than they know it. Uh, and that just, yep. that just having that, no matter what the stats on my model say, uh, gives me a way better game plan. Um, and I'm able to like play that game out and make that game so much easier for me. I never ended up in a spot where I was uncomfortable or I didn't know what was going on.
0: Absolutely. Uh-huh. Experience is key.
1: Well, the other thing is you can recognize, as you pointed out, mistakes. Yeah. So your opponent just gives you opportunities. Now you can take them and use them.
0: Absolutely. And
2: if you don't have that knowledge, they're missed.
0: Yep. Because if you don't recognize a mistake, it's not really a mis- much of a mistake.
2: Mm-hmm. i'm a i'm a good guy um i, I get people that will like quote oh, an orc rule wrong uh-huh. and i ha- i'll have to correct them because i can't let them continue playing the game that understanding of the, how that rule works um but like the m- most common one I get is they think grot shield works in a certain way and I'm like no it's this way you get a- if you do this you get around it mm. uh, the particularly with like the closest like the grots need to be closer whichever or you know that's the fact that it has to be specific clan grots to do it um you know or the fact that some people thought grots could take wounds for the vehicles I'm like no it's not that cool yeah uh-huh. if only <laughs> you know but like on their side you know they don't know that because they they don't have experience against orcs for example and they've never you know played orcs themselves they could either do one or the two uh you know to gain that um especially since you know at that point orcs were part of the meta so that was that was something that maybe they should have gone in with some sort of idea on it
0: Mm -hmm. well and that actually kind of leads into uh, another thing that i think is very valuable is just expanding your general base of knowledge Uh, one of the things you will see from a lot of the players who are doing well in the game is that they have a very, just a broad base of knowledge, not just from armies, but in many cases from previous editions. Yeah. Um, Because as the game changes, which the game is constantly changing, you're going to see all kinds of upsets and drastic meta shifts and things like that as new books come out and FAQs are released and editions are released and having the sort of broad base of knowledge where you've played lots of different armies, you played against lots of different armies, you just have a lot of experience with the game as a whole, you are in a much better position to adapt to that. Because you can walk into that and... Say 9th edition drops tomorrow, you can just walk right up and say, okay, how is this similar to 8th edition? How is it different? How can I compare this to 7th edition and 6th edition and 5th edition? How can I compare this to different parts of 8th edition that I played? Uh, because the yeah. beginning of 8th edition was very different from where we are at now.
1: The other thing to know is that being adaptable is a skill, and this is basically adaptable training. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I learned, uh, kind of incidentally, and the reason I went on my little excavate to study other armies, was uh, to reduce burnout. I got sick and tired of getting my teeth kicked in with Grey Knights.
0: Yes, that's obviously very important. Is you Burnout is a real thing in this hobby. Uh, we spend a lot of time on it, both on the, the modeling and painting aspect as well as the playing aspect. Um, and sooner or later you're going to run into a wall there.
1: This game is a huge amount of emotional labor, and most people don't understand that that is one of the hugest causes of burnout. It's just overuse of emotional labor constantly. So it's like, yeah, losing hurts, and there's only so much of that you want to take in
2: a day. Yeah, my first shift was uh, somewhat physical-related. I got sick of moving 200 models.
0: Oh, no kidding.
2: I wanted something different. It was so like I I was tired, so I, I switched to a uh, I switched to custodies for a minute. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Fair enough. Were uh, you know a total of like twelve models move. So I'm I'm I was good. I was a, I was a happy boy for a while. Um, so like that in itself, and learning new army, having all the fun and joy, and new plastic toys, and retail therapy, and a lot of fun stuff that comes along with it but you know at the end of the day like i i got i got sick of where this is during index orcs and I, i'm like i'm i'm sick i'm tired these things are getting their ass kicked by you know this current meta we're in i uh, let, let me let me pick up something cool and fun um so i i did that
0: and you you move over to something new like your Custodes. um you play with it for a while and you can always come back to your other army once you've kind of like you know i am really starting to miss orcs i loved having all of those bodies on the field, the thing that you you were hating before, might be what draws you back to it once you've taken some time away from it.
1: Well, the other thing you might learn is you might learn that, hey, this army I've been playing, thats playstyle doesn't match what I want to do with the game. Sure. You might switch main armies entirely.
0: It's very possible. If you don't ever experiment with that, you're never going to find out. And maybe you'll go back to your old love, and maybe you'll stick with the new one, but you're never going to know unless you try that. So it pays a lot to branch out and kind of experiment with things.
2: One thing I found valuable um, is having that model library um, available to others, oh. uh, either, either, for, either for Borrowhammer or... Um, whether it be a teammate or somebody else on RTT, um, giving other people the opportunity to play another army. Cause like, you know, I've, I have a friend, mm-hmm. I have a friend who'd be like, man, I'm really sick of this army. Can, can I, can I borrow your Eldar? I'm like, well, Hey, they're not my Eldar, they're my wife's. But uh, <laughs> after I ask her, the answer is probably yes. And you can play Eldar this weekend. And like, it helps them shake off that burnout, learn a new army. And like, and, and like a general for, as far as like a community movement thing, um, you're, mm-hmm. you're reinforcing a lot of positive things there. Um, one thing I like to tell—it's—it's it's also sometimes how I get my army three color painted. If someone's like, "Hey, I, I need to borrow these models for the GT," I'm like, "Cool, only if you paint them." Uh- <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Exact the toll. <laughs> so I mean, like, hey, they're—they're they're primed. You can, but you—you mm-hmm. know, playing the GT, you know what you need to do, and I'm not going to do it for you. Um, right. So I—I I mean, that it might be an evil motive, but I am the evil host. So there, there's a se- There's a secret to you guys. Buy models, loan them to friends for GTs, get them painted for free.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or be like me, and just have a fully painted Necron army that you don't want to touch because Necrons are bad.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But that sort of, like, strengthening community like that and, like, reinforcing... Because this... God, this game takes a lot of investment. Not just from time, not just from emotional labor, but also from money. Um, Yeah. And that can be a big obstacle to some people. And letting other people sort of slip past some of those obstacles is not only going to be good for them, because it lets them try something new, and sort of take all of these advantages that we've been talking about, uh, but it's good for you, because you're getting to play against something different with your friend, they're staying invested in the hobby, and it's a favorite you can call back later, um, where it's like, they borrow your Eldar army and take it to a GT, and now, you know, six months down the road, you're like, hey, I noticed you haven't been playing your Chaos recently. Do you mind if I borrow those Chaos Knights and use those? Because I just had a really cool idea and I want to try it out. Um, yeah. And so it's that sort of like reciprocal, like it's benefiting both you and them
2: a lot.
1: And sometimes it's fun to like sit down, deploy up, and go, "Hey, let's switch sides of the table and just keep going."
2: Yes. That can be hilariously fun. That's uh, that's really common, especially with like meta lists and playtesting. Is mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm going to sit down and be like, "Hey, let me play, let me play that list," and yeah, mm-hmm. and here play mine, and like. With with me, it's it's a little bit awkward because I like to innovate and invent new lists. And when I was doing that earlier, it's like, yeah, I don't really know. Think you should play this that much because it's yeah. not really a meta thing. But I really should try yours.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> but you, especially if you have a model collection, that's actually something we we kind of touched on very briefly earlier. Um, if you've branched out your army enough that you have a couple different options, when the meta changes, you're ready for it because you you don't just have one army to play with. You have a couple different things you can pick from.
1: Exactly. Sometimes you even with your main army, you discover you have to buy new models. I was yep. impressed with myself having to buy new models recently. Yep. For my main, I was like, what?
0: What?
2: <laughs> it happens. It was it was kind of fun to you know run, end up in a situation where it's like oh I need a I need thirty flash kits uh is there any other orc players I can get some flash kits from?
0: <laughs> and if you've been experimenting with like different things all this time, maybe you're the guy who has those thirty flash kits, and you're like, oh yeah, flash kits. I tried them out a while ago. Here's what you need to know about them. Mm-hmm. Um, it can it can give you a, a place in your in the community as well as like the guy who has that thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the, b- the buggy guy from LVO comes to mind.
0: Right? Uh- <laughs> it's you, you can be that guy. All you have to do is try. The
2: good version of that guy. The good kind,
0: yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that th- that guy, not that guy. <laughs> yes, uh, deleting our German. So let's, let's wrap this up a little bit with talking about what kind of, how you should pick your army that you're branching out to and what sort of you think the the big factors are going to be there. Wayne, what, what what were your big considerations? What do you think is really standing out? I
1: had two considerations. One is playing something that was definitely not what I'd been playing before. Sure. Uh, and the other one was availability. So, because True. I didn't have a definite time and money, I was like, I need an army that is not very much like mine. Uh, Tau. Okay, right. great. Uh, Sean has a Tau army. Great.
0: Let's do this. Right. Uh, those can both be really big factors. Like, obviously you can't borrow an army you don't have, Um, and if you do have finite money, like most of us, um, you may not be able to just buy an army straight off the bat. Now, sometimes people will be selling armies they don't play anymore, or have an army that they just don't use and aren't willing to sell you, but will let you borrow, or what have you. So you have a lot of routes to getting an army of varying degrees of cost, Um, but what people have should obviously be a significant consideration of what you can get a hold of. Availability.
1: You're either spending time, money, or something in there, so there's just, it's the triangle, and you gotta make your way in considerations.
2: Right. Yeah, one thing that accidentally got me into, well, Tau, um, for a minute was I ended up buying um, someone's Tau army at an auction. It was just too good to be true. It was like, oh, 100 bucks for 2,000 points mm-hmm. in, in Tau? I'll take it. Um, and then suddenly I have a Tau army, and it's like, oh, uh, now what?
0: And it's often easy to find people who are getting out of a hobby or getting rid of an army or what have you, and to pick up a really good deal on that sort of thing. There are people who make a significant amount of money just flipping armies like that. Like, yeah, sure, I'll buy all your towel for a hundred bucks. All right, uh, Riptide, selling on eBay for fifty bucks. Squad of Broadside, selling on eBay for a hundred bucks. Yep. Uh, you just throw all that stuff up and you can potentially make some money that way. But you can also get yourself a new army to play.
1: Yep. Or you can have friends getting out, uh, gave me 1,500 points of sisters. Right. Metal, but hey, they're still sisters.
0: It's, it's definitely something that comes up. Uh, but the other consideration would be not just what you have, but also what's in the meta. What are people playing and what is it going to be relevant for you to learn?
2: Yeah, that's my major consideration is I'm, I'm going to be looking at, you know, the top performing lists um, out there and I'm just going to netlist them. I'm going to copy them or proxy them. Proxying is a thing too, especially in your play testing. Um, I'm going to copy them or proxy them. You don't need to own the models if you're just testing guys, don't you? But, you know, sometimes you're crazy and you want to actually play the army at an RTT or other event or something. Um, but I definitely, you know, I'm going to grab the top four. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put them together in some way, shape or form, whether it's pennies and cardboard or actual models or my space or my my uh, space marines are now uh, GSC like doesn't matter. Right. Lay it out, play it, try it. Uh, play it against your list, your preferred list that you're going to try and bring and that's how I'm going to find those tweaks in my list um, like, you know, that's how I decide make my last 300 points of, you know, list building decision is, okay, how does that fare against these top four things and I'll actually play it out, uh, whether it's one, two turns, sometimes it's just mental mm-hmm. sometimes, you since once you understand you know, an army from each side of the table you kind of mentally play it out and you do that mental game of, okay, this turn one, we do this, this, this turn two, they're going to do this, this, this um, and you can, you know, play it entire games in your head if you want to um, and do it well as long as you have that play experience.
1: Yeah. You need a play experience and a knowledge foundation for that. And if you don't have that, that's maybe not as practical as it should be.
0: Potentially. It'll depend on, you know, what kind of player you are and where you're at in the game. That's actually something really good to mention is uh, proxying. Uh, If you are looking at diving into a new army and you're thinking maybe this is what I want to try and I think it's really cool and you're not borrowing it, but you're actually, like, intending to buy the army, definitely get a couple games in with proxies or borrowing or something before you invest too heavily in it. Uh, Because unless you are just needlessly rich, you want to at least get a taste of the army before you dive entirely into it. And there's a lot of ways to do that.
1: Well, and there's also a kind of pitfall is the same but different. Um, For example, if you play just a different elite army, that's kind of the same thing you were doing before. You're not learning as much.
0: If you were playing Custodes and you're like, I gotta do something different. I'm gonna go over to Orcs. Ooh, Mega Knobs look cool. I'll take 20 Mega Knobs and then I'll back them up with some Flash Gits and then I'll take a couple of the really shooty... Oh, I'm playing Custodes again.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Oops. The joke we made was was, uh, a meme joke of, uh, oh, that's just orcs with extra steps. Or that's chaos Uh with extra steps. (laughs) Uh
0: (laughs) Yeah, you can definitely do that to yourself. So do be a little bit careful. If if you are trying to learn something different, do something different. Don't fall back on the patterns you were doing before, even if it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, because that's kind of the point.
2: With a slight disagreement, I'll say sometimes it's same but better. Uh, with certain meta shifts and certain new things that come out and I will definitely shift to the same but better because not only do I have this foundation of being pretty good at this list I now have that but better
0: well yeah you know Richard Siegler switching from Tau to Iron Hands and Iron Hands were just better Tau at that point yeah uh, is obviously a good example but he wasn't doing that to learn a new army he was doing that because they were just better <laughs> yeah yeah
1: so, so that that is an option, too. Um, and, yeah, you're going to be uncomfortable, you're going to make mistakes, but you can always fail forward. Yes. They'll always be better for learning.
0: Uh, I think the last thing I would throw in, in terms of, like, making decisions, um, would be, like, looking forward, you know, especially with allies these days, it's very possible to just combine different armies you may want to look at, like, can this be allied into my, my army? Not necessarily, like, is this a medalist that I can ally in? Mm-hmm. But, like, at some point in the future, when things are different, can I ally this in? Uh, because for Imperial and Chaos factions, that should be a big consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, they're, they're not going to get rid of that system anytime soon. So, be looking at, like, you know, I want to learn something new. Or well, why not take something new that I can then bring into my old thing? we we shuffled you through quite a few different imperial factions over the course of eighth edition here yeah
1: which is why i didn't like feel like obligated to spend time learning guard
2: yeah thinking outside the box you can also be like oh hey i want to play uh this army um but there's this really cool conversion uh and you can do conversion counts as for a couple a couple of different units and it's like let's say you already um play uh, play one army, but this conversion from that other army could be used as either-or, um, it's an yep. easier way to branch in and kind of a you know, lower barrier entry, because not only do you get that new unit for your current army, um, you then have a new unit for that other army. Uh, you can kind of start branching into that direction. Absolutely. I mean, Sean plays Slaneshi Knights, so I, that
0: should answer your question. Look, those Slanesh models have been a lot of different things over their history.
1: If they I have, have an axe, it's a Falchion now, apparently. Sure. Can be all kinds of stuff. I mean, the sweet musical acts.
2: Yes, I mean as long as the as long as the to is okay with it, always get your always get your counts, as and and such okayed by your tos. Um, you know, always always have that form of communication out there. But you can do some some pretty goddamn cool stuff uh, that way. And uh, when when I like to, when I like to pick an army, you know, there's we're we're missing the obvious here. The Elkham's Razor does it look cool? That, that is true you know i i want i want something that looks cool i want something that when when it's on the table i i'm proud of it i want to be like yeah it looks awesome and like i'm jealous of every sister's a battle player out there because like i i look i look at those army those armies on the table look freaking amazing uh. i'm just like oh wow that that battle, that battle scene looks awesome i want that uh, <laughs> nothing to do with the army nothing to do with how it plays but oh uh, i want it i want it so bad <laughs>
0: Yes, and th- and that is a very good reason. Like, follow your enthusiasm when you're picking an army. Um, by all means, pick an army for the rules and think about what that means to you and how that's going to change your game. We are a competitive podcast. You should certainly make that consideration. But also consider your enthusiasm for the army. Um, because if you're not excited about it, you're not going to stick with it.
2: Hey, looking good while doing it is great, all right? Yeah.
1: Fabulous points are worth something in the world. Also, the thing to remember is we we find being competitive fun, Mm -hmm. but never lose sight of the fun.
0: Yeah. And whatever that may mean to you, because it can mean a lot of different things to different people. But make sure you're still having fun as you try out new armies and as you test different things.
1: I'm having a lot of fun building more Grey Knights and Sisters and sometimes cross-converting bits because... Purity seal sister is clearly something needs to happen. Now the granite kits have a bajillion Purity seals. Yeah.
2: And uh, another thing I want to mention that we kind of missed a tiny bit earlier, but only scaling back a bit is um, look at how long certain armies take to play Uh, in the world of chess clocks and timing being really important. Um, moving from a you know 30 model count army to a 200 model count army, uh, not only will teach you to play faster, um, it'll also teach you a lot about you know clock management because you really like the clock becomes your enemy, not your friend um, <laughs> in that situation. So uh, and when you're trying to switch army or pick a new army, be like oh let well, this army take less time or more time. Um, you know, and there's certain styles of lists and such on each army that will take less or more time. I've definitely with the same list finished a game in you know far less than you know 30 minutes. and then i've also with the same exact list taken the full you know know, three hours or so with with both me and my opponent going below five minutes like it's insane
0: yeah Mm -hmm. it it should certainly be a consideration just like all the other factors because time is a real thing at tournaments like you you don't just play until you're done
1: well and also like physical endurance and physical ability i know some people that can't, just can't bend over a table anymore. They're they're too old, their back's too bad, whatever the reason is. Mm-hmm. And play an army that isn't going to hurt you. Please don't yes. be in pain for this.
0: Yes. Ben mentioned that one earlier, but if, if you just, if you find playing an army is physically uncomfortable, change your army.
1: Yeah, because you're supposed to have fun here, you're not supposed to destroy yourself doing it, please.
0: Well... Hopefully that has given everyone some stuff to think about in terms of switching over to new armies. Maybe some of you heard about an army you think you're going to jump into immediately. Or maybe it's given you some ideas. There are a lot of great resources for looking up armies these days. Uh, So by all means, go out there and find something that you think is interesting and give it a spin. Mm
1: -hmm. Let's know how it goes.
0: Yes. Uh, If you want to, in fact, talk with us a little bit about that, you can contact us in In inthefinesthour at gmail.com. We will hopefully respond to your email and give you maybe some interesting advice or ask for your thoughts on things. And if you want maybe a little bit more long-term contact or you like to help support the podcast, you think we're doing good work here, Uh, we are also in the Finest Hour on Patreon. And for five bucks a month, you'll get access to our private Discord and Facebook groups uh, where you can chat with the host about all sorts of things and maybe hear about some meetups with us and the tournaments we're going to be going to and all that sort of good stuff.
2: We'd also like to thank Dank Muse for the awesome tunes you hear at both our intro and during our lovely intermission.
1: We'd also like to thank Rylan Woodrow for just... Awesome
0: art, which has just been getting more awesome recently. Oh, we've gotten a lot of that recently and a lot of compliments on it, too. Your new banner is looking amazing.
1: Yeah, both of them. Yes. Uh, More coming. (laughs) And uh, Stephanie Sherwood for doing our shirts.
0: All right. I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, So next week, we will be talking about a subject that honestly gets a lot less discussion than I think it should, given how critical it is to the game. Move blocking. Yep one of the most critical skills but often very overlooked
2: one of my favorites (laughs) it's
0: a big one for in the finest hour i've been sean morgan
2: shalen allen ben jurek
0: thanks for listening